Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Missions Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions From the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be on the conversation with Mike and Stacy Collins. Good day, guys. Hello. Hey. How y'all doing? Doing really good. It's a great day in the Lord. Amen to that. Well, thank you for being here and really appreciate uh, the time you guys are setting aside here to talk to us about missions. From the Forefront is a you know, it's a monthly podcast where we try to encourage folks and raise awareness about missions. You guys have some missions straight in front of you. A uh, common friend of ours recommended you guys to the podcast. And thank you for letting me get familiar with your story. I appreciate that. And also very thankful for your courage as you guys are stepping out. There's a lot we can talk about today. We'll try to be uh, succinct, but thanks again for being here. Where are you guys talking to us from? I think you said Lake Jackson. Am I am I right on that? That's correct. We're in Lake Jackson, Texas, due south of Houston, and about 45 minutes down the coast from Galveston. All right. Well, the great state of Texas, as uh, they told me when I was being raised. <laughs> the eyes of Texas are upon you. We could sing that right now. Probably everybody not in Texas would not enjoy that, but... Uh, Thank y'all for being here. And of course, Lake Jackson is uh, been home to you for a while, as I understand. But there's a there's a new geography right in front of you guys. Where where are you headed? That's right. We'll be heading to Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And right now, we're believing the Lord to be there in February of 2019. Wow. February 2019. By the time this thing publishes, that'll be about 30 days away. So... We'll be checking in with you guys as you're going forward here. But Tanzania, for about 10 years, I do work in Kenya and right at the Tanzanian border. Isibanya, you may know the town. It's uh, kind of halfway between the Serengeti and Lake Victoria. What part of uh, Tanzania will you guys be in? We're going to be based out of Arusha, which is pretty close to where you're talking about. It is close to the Kenyan border as well, and about an hour and a half, two hours from Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow, I'm I'm going to need to come visit <laughs> Arusha. Yeah, I've heard of Arusha, and Kilimanjaro has always been kind of on my radar. You'll very likely be able to see Kili from where you are. That's a big mountain. Very, very cool, Arusha. You guys are. Of course, in a process you've been in for some time in the readiness of missions, maybe unlike typical missionaries, you've done some living. Mike, if I'm right, you're about to retire. 
Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. I'm actually educated as a uh, engineer and licensed in Texas. I went to Georgia Tech. I'm a civil engineer and, and work for uh, Dow Chemical in uh, Lake Jackson here, the Freeport area. And so I'm planning on retiring. Uh, actually, Stacy works there as well. We're both planning wow. on retiring at the end of December. From then, that's where we're going to go be missionaries in Tanzania. Absolutely. Well, that's very cool and very encouraging, too. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book Halftime, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name who wrote it, but basically describes maybe something similar to what you guys are going through in your stage of life. You know, you've had a married life, you've raised family, you've had a career, you've done a lot, and now you're getting ready for halftime and going forward, if you will, in missions. And that's very, very cool to me. And I think that's a growing trend. Have you found some other folks who are similar in that way? Often people are going in missions early in their 20s or in their 30s, or they go and do some mission stuff during that period. And then they that's the end of their adventures in missions. What, what do you find in there? You find some others? Well, the, one of the reasons that I was called to be a missionary in Africa is the person that hired me into Dow Chemical ended up being my supervisor, but he was also went to the same church I attended. Then I lived in Bay City, Texas. It was about an hour to the west of here. So he ended up being a supervisor, a mentor, a friend, and he's a person that God put in my life to, to provide an example of what a godly man should be. And so, in fact, we're mm. still friends. He's in his 80s now and lives over close to us in this area. But when he retired from Dow in 1993, he and his wife went to be missionaries in Tanzania as well. At the time, God said, you'll go and be a missionary there, too. I heard it as you may be a missionary because I really couldn't even imagine it, how that would happen. <laughs> I had never been out of the country, had never been called to missions, but I heard God speak to me. And it was a long time before that came to fruition. Like I say, that was 1993, and here we are in 2018, getting ready to go over in 2019. Oh, wow. You know, I watched some of the stuff you sent me, and I know there's a big story behind that door that you've shown us here. We should get into that a little bit. I want to say that's really encouraging to me, Mike. I think so many of us are carrying in our hearts, you know, something that we heard maybe a long, long time ago. And for many of us, it's hard not to give up, really, or hard not to just stop thinking about it or hard, you know, those kinds of things for it to come back. That's what is that? 25 years from the time you heard that. That's that's super cool, man. I want to I want to say, you know. Wow, that's awesome that you guys are getting ready to go 25 years after you heard it. And not in the sense of what took you so long, but in the sense of I appreciate that thing continuing to grow in your heart until it actually has come now to be ready to come to pass. I know there was a big story of delay there, and it sounds like part of that might have been your state of mind. You know, you were thinking, uh, really? Uh, I don't have a passport. Uh, you know, you got the wrong guy. I don't know. Is there something either of you want to mention about? I know Stacy's got her own story on the delay, but do you want to talk about the d delay before she gives her perspective? Uh, it 
it's obvious to me now that God spoke that to me, but I was not anywhere close to being ready or prepared to go take a mission like that. And so he had a lot of work to do in me. And a big part of that is my relationship with Stacy that followed that. And so mm-hmm. Stacy and I met, started taking an interest in one another. Then the fact that I told her that God had called me to go to missions was something that was attractive to her that maybe even qualified to, to be on her list. <laughs> <laughs> but God still had a lot of work and he needed to do with me. I think we ought to maybe talk about about Stacy's background and then mm-hmm. what I still needed to overcome before I'm to the point that I was ready to go do missions in Tanzania or even the short-term mission trip. So Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. Stacy, do I remember right that you were in missions in the DR Congo at one point? That is correct. Yep. So I uh, actually became a believer in Jesus, started following him when I was 16 years old. I was born in Southern California and then raised in the Pacific Northwest. And that's where a high school teacher, basketball coach in a public high school, really started trying to reach out to me. I was going through a difficult time. My parents were going through a divorce. And in the midst of all that, that's when I met Jesus and really started following him with everything I had. My whole life changed. And so in a very short time, I started to feel the call of God in a youth meeting. We were talking about, you know, that God has a specific plan for your life. That was the first time I'd ever heard that, that there was a purpose and a plan for my life. So afterwards, all of us high school friends were hanging out saying, well, what do you think God wants you to do? What do you think God wants you to do? And out of my mouth came, God wants me to be a missionary. And in that moment, Mm. there was like complete silence. And then there was laughter. Because I was a really mean person before I got saved. And they just looked at me and said, there's no way you could be a missionary of all the people, you know. But I just knew God called me to be a missionary. So when I graduated high school, I went to Bible college. It was a two-year unaccredited Bible college. And from there, I met missionaries from DR Congo. Back then, it was called Zaire still. Mm -hmm. So they allowed me to put in an application But I was still only 19 years old when I put in that application. I was 20 years old when I went to to DR Congo for the first time. And I taught in a Bible school, adult Bible school. It was a three-year Bible school. And I spent more than five and a half years in DR Congo, some trips back and forth. But two and a half years, the very first time that I went. And that was pretty amazing. So my call to missions was completely different from Mike's. And then I experienced missions as a young person, 20 years old and then did many short-term trips even after that. And then is when Mike and I met. So we actually got married when I was 35 years old. Ah. Yeah, 2002. So my experience for missions was completely different, and that's all that I had a focus on. And then I was back in the States for a while, and I started working as a contractor out at the plants just for some income during that interim time. And that's when Mike and I met. So as he mentioned, when we were starting to get to know each other and he said he was called to missions, well, I was like, hey, well, maybe this could work. So mm. after we got married, um, I'm going to let Mike tell the rest of the story because this is what lends to the part about what you've alluded to, the delay. I'm thinking, okay, I can get married. This man is called to missions. It won't be long that I'll be back on the mission field. But that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my. My part of the story is uh, I grew up in Georgia, 
close to Atlanta, just west of the Atlanta airport. And my parents were Christians. I thought I was born in the church nursery. And so I've been at church my whole life. And at nine years old, I received salvation and uh, accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, although I was limited because I was not willing to be totally committed. I thought, if I'm too good, then I can't have any fun and my friends won't like me. Mm. And so I was one of those marginal Christians who was not a true follower. And it took a long time for God bringing people into my life to show me that's the most miserable place to be because you can't enjoy not being good and you can't enjoy the abundant life. You're just standing right on the fence where it's the most miserable place. For sure. Yeah, it took a long time for me to get over that, even to the point that when I heard this call from my former supervisor that I still had growing to do even at that point. And so... Stacy and I told her about that, and we got married. And just a short time after that, she said, you know, I feel like God's calling us to go do short-term mission trips in Africa. And I thought, whoa, Africa? Ugh. You know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. So I told her, hey, you know, have a good time. Let me know when you get back. (laughs) I'm just wondering how that went over. That did not go over too well. (laughs) (laughs) very gracious she did not give me a hard time or criticize me for it or anything like that but in her heart i think it was pretty devastating for her because she felt like she'd been lied to to be honest with you and so she made a couple of trips to africa for short-term trips and came back where i was not willing to go and then when she came back god spoke to me and said you know you say you have faith in me well just how much faith do you have and the answer was obvious not much And so at that point, I said, okay, God, this is it. I'm turning it all over to you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to get past me and let you do with me what you want me to do. And so since then, I guess probably over the last 10 years, we've made numerous short-term trips to Africa, to other places. We've been to the Navajo Indian Reservation. We've been to Juarez, Mm -hmm. Mexico. We've been to uh, DR Congo and Tanzania. Madagascar, so several places God's allow us to go. But it took him working with me and understanding how much I limited what he wanted to do in me because of the fear, basically because of my fear. And I think that's a real tool of Satan is he mm. is fear to keep us from fulfilling the plan that God has for us. Wow, absolutely. You know, I'd like to key in on a couple of things you mentioned. One is, obviously, we missed some of the drama (laughs) on the lead up there because, I mean, there was a pressure environment based on unreconciled expectations. (laughs) I feel sure there was. Part of that process, and we're all in a process and will continue to be until our mission, individual mission on this side is completed. But in that process, there was some stuff that led you up to saying, whatever you want, Lord, I'm ready. And we don't need to have full transparency to that process. My point was just to highlight that we're all in that approach. And there's something in life that the Lord gives to us as a gift that sometimes probably doesn't look like too much of a gift that creates the context in which we're invited to more fully commit to whatever the Lord wants for us. So whatever it takes to get us there, it's a huge gift from God that we're put in a position where we can say, okay, Lord, 
whatever you want. I don't care what it costs. Many people fight that. I, I know in my own life, I fought that moment, the uncertainty of it. What's this going to be like? I thought I was already there. You know, that's the worst thing in the world is to think that you've already made a full commitment when you haven't. The Lord's got a way of bringing us to that point, right? right. He gets us there. Thank God for that rendezvous with destiny in your own life where you realized, hey, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. It's good to be honest about that. I think the Lord loves our honesty. And he also, you know, when necessary, can give us those little confrontive communications like you're talking about. <laughs> the Lord kind of gave you a little confrontive communication there and said, hey, <laughs> what's up with this calling or whatever? You know? yeah, one of the things that really has always impressed me in, in Stacy's testimony is that she was received salvation in one denomination. She went to Bible school in a different denomination and then was called to ministry in a different denomination. Wow. She went back to her original church and said, hey, I've been called to be a missionary. And they said, great, where are you going to go? She said, I'm going to go to Zaire. They said, we don't have a work in Zaire. Well, that means we can't support you. And then said, why can't you support me? She said, well, it's not our denomination. She said, what's a denomination? She was just saying. <laughs> so it didn't really add up. Said, we'll be glad to give you a love offering now, but you know, we can't really support you as a denomination. And they said, you know, we'll be glad to support you if you go to Papua New Guinea. She thought, hey, that might be mm -hmm. cool. But she felt like God said, no, that's not where I called you. And she told them, well, you know, God's called me to Zaire, and that's where I'm going to go. And so when she left to go to Zaire, she had $200 in her pocket, $100 in the bank, and a one-way ticket. And, wow. and he took care of her the whole time that she was there. And I thought, I wondered, mm. you know, do I have that kind of faith that I can step out and depend on God, depend on me? Or do I put my faith in my bank account? really made me think mm -hmm. about what my values are. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's not so much utter ruin that stops us from doing what we're called to do. It's the threat of utter ruin, right? I mean, <laughs> we've got this overriding sense of threat. Clearly, it comes from the enemy that if we step out, it's going to be total uh, road of destruction and we'll be <laughs> quickly presented to our mother and father's doorstep in a pine box or something, you know, that's this sense of threat that we have. That is, I guess is the enemy uses that to slow us down, stop us. And for those of us that have confronted that it's very real. Sounds like that's what you confronted there, Stacy. Thankfully you weren't maybe at that point in your life aware of how complex the denomination things and all those things can be. You were just kind of focused on obedience, you know, being led and following. Anything you want to say about that first time? Yeah, that's exactly right. Just hearing the call of God and being so ready to fulfill, you know, he's done so much for me. This is what I felt like as that young person, you know, he really removed a lot of things from my life. You know, I was on a track for alcoholism. I was in depression, felt unwanted, unloved, many things that people are going through today. And so when I met Jesus, all of those things changed. And all I wanted to do was give back to him as much as I could because of what he had done for me. And so, yeah, the denominations, I really had no idea how all of that worked. I didn't understand 
the political realm of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my home church was gracious, as gracious as can be, but there's bylaws and constitutions and things that people have to follow. So that was definitely my first introduction, but God can transcend all of those things. And for those five and a half years that I was there the first time, I did not have not one church that supported me. It was all individual people. And this is just maybe a faith builder for some folks that are in that process of wondering how would I ever raise support? What I did was I would go visit my mom. She worked at a radiologist office with a bunch of other ladies. And I would tell her, hey, I got my passport. And then all the ladies would gather around and they'd want to look at the passport, see what it looked like. I'd go in and get my shots. Oh, I got my yellow fever shot. So they're asking me oh, all these questions about Zaire and they're getting real interested. Well, at one point, somebody said, how does she pay for herself over there? So my mom said, well, she's raising her support. Everybody once a month will contribute different people. And so the ladies got together and they said, we want to be a part of that. And there were people that were mm-hmm. Buddhists. There were people that were all out atheists. There were people from different mainline denominations. And they would put out a box in the middle of the office every month. And whoever wanted to contribute would contribute. My mom would collect it up and, and send it to my church. So they were ending up being one of my biggest supporters, that group of ladies at that office. Wow! So God has amazing ways to get you to the place that you need to be. But it was definitely a step of faith. And probably it was a good thing that I didn't understand the politics because I never had any hard feelings towards anybody. I just thought, okay, well, that's the way it is. But I know God called me and I know that he's going to supply. And he did. Wow. Back in those days, I had a, a monthly budget of $500 on the field. For a 20-year-old, that seemed astronomical back in the late early <laughs> 90s. But right. by the time I returned, it was easily $800 a month coming in. And I have some you know, amazing stories where God met in miraculous ways. But yeah, he's faithful. You just take that step of faith. You know that you've heard his voice. You pursue it regardless of the obstacles, take that moment, spend time in his presence, and he'll give you that next step, what you're supposed to do, he'll give you the courage, he'll give you the strength, and you just keep moving forward day at a time. Absolutely. That is, uh, that's precious, the story there about the ladies. That is, it's touching. I'm glad you gave me a minute there because I might not could have talked right, right when you, right in the middle of that story. Because, you know, it's super touching that the Lord would stir people's hearts from whatever background or whatever situation. And not only is that for you, of course it was for you. And in in response to your obedience, these people started getting animated toward what was going on. But also that was something for them. I think that's one thing that we sometimes overlook in, in missions is that we're inviting people to become a part of our journey and it becomes part of their journey. So some of those ladies, you know, those were seeds sown in these people with different worldviews. There were seeds sown from the kingdom, and you were their opportunity to have that connection based on your obedience to indirect kind of situation. It wasn't to Zaire. You know, they weren't in Zaire on the receiving end of what you were doing, but they were participating. And that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And I appreciate your courage and your story of courage there. As you stepped out, of course, in the simplicity of faith, I can remember a number of times like that as myself, I got met the Lord as a 16 year old as well. 
So I had some moments of brilliance and faith that I had no idea. You know, I just didn't know any better. I just, you know, this is what the Lord's showing me and that's what I'm doing. It, uh, I didn't realize how precious that was at the time in the lack of complexity and just the simplicity of obedience. Thank God for that. And thanks for sharing that for sure. There's a there's another example, I think, of just seeing how God works out the small details that gives us encouragement. It allows me to have more confidence in going to Tanzania. And, and on one of our mission trips to DR Congo, we had missionary friends that are on that end because they would have to arrange things when we would go over there. You know, you got to have somebody to make sure there's something to do when you get there and things like that. And so we were in DR Congo. We asked them, they asked us if you would like to go to a village where they actually worship the devil. And we said, well, sure, we'd like to go there. And so we went to this village called Maketo on Lake Tananika on the east side of the Congo. You know, the first thing you have to do is talk to the chief there. Well, this other lady, Pam and Stacy, she speaks fluent Swahili. We're talking to the chief and asking him if we could tell people about Jesus. And they said, yeah. And so we went out under the trees and just warm there. And there's a group of people. And so we sang some and gave some testimonies and then, Stacy had a message, and she happened to mention Adam and Eve. And she looked, and there was no reaction. And she asked them, said, have you ever heard of Adam and Eve? And they looked at each other and said, we don't have a clue who you're talking about. And so it's kind of, yeah, there goes the message. I pretty much have to start from the very beginning of the book (laughs) and go all the way through the resurrection to tell the plan because nobody even had any idea of what the whole gospel was or any part of it or the plan of salvation mm. and so we you know we did a invitation and and many people received salvation and prayed to accept the gospel even with the limited knowledge that they had there but then you know we're supposed to go and make disciples and we thought okay now mm. what you know what's going to happen now and i'm gonna let stacy finish this part of the story yeah, so I was just looking at these people, you know, new converts and thinking, okay, five minutes ago, they were literally worshiping demonic spirits, but now they're worshiping Jesus. What's going to happen to them? And as I was thinking about that and just kind of praying, lifting up a prayer to the Lord internally, I heard a voice behind me and I heard them say, Malimu Stacy, which is Teacher Stacy. So I turned around and I looked and there was one of my former students I had taught in the Bible school probably 20, 25 years previous to this encounter, and he was a really special student. We had an open school where every denomination could come. They understood what our curriculum was. If they wanted to be a part, they could. So we had many different denominations that were represented. He happened to be from the faith of Seventh-day Adventists. And I got to do a chapel service, one of my first chapel services. I just talked about having a life-empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we prayed for people to be filled with the Spirit. And he was one of the ones who was. And so we just had this special bond throughout the three years of his Bible college experience. And when he got ready to graduate, he felt called to do evangelism. So a bunch of us got together and we bought him a bicycle and you know, got his supplies together and blessed him and sent him off. And I had not seen him until this day at this village. And I said, Bujitu, his name was Bujitu Mushitu. I said, Bujitu, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm a pastor right up the hill over here. And I heard that 
there were some white people speaking down here in the village. So I came to see who it was and it, and it was us. So I said, well, I'm glad you're here because guess what? These people have just received Jesus and they're going to need a pastor. So can you reach out to them and help them grow in their faith? So it was just really amazing how God had just put all those details together, even without us having any idea. Right. But it, it's again, going back to that idea of, just the simple obedience and knowing that God will pick up the details and he's already got a plan. If we just keep moving in his plan, he's going to bring all of it together. And so, yeah, that was a pretty amazing moment. Wow. How special to be reunited with Bushito that that is powerful. You know, I think sometimes we, we focus on playing our own instrument instead of the symphony, right? We all got a part to play in this symphony, but the one who conducts the symphony, he he knows every part of every instrument and when the violin should come in and when the horn should come in, when the cymbal should fade and all that stuff. Uh, we got to keep that in mind, I think, as we're obeying that God is the great conductor of this symphony that we all have a part in. That's an incredible example that you gave there. And again, I'm over here uh, weepy. <laughs> you know, that's precious stuff. Very encouraging. I really like that analogy. I think that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for sharing that. So we've got about 10 minutes left. Thank you guys. And I, I would love to get you back on, and maybe we can do that after you guys get over there, assuming there'll be some internet connectivity. We can get you on for a follow-up from the field. But what I'd like to do is shift gears a little bit here if we can and talk about where specifically you guys are heading, maybe something about your assignment or your focus or your emphasis, any team elements that you have around you that you want to mention, and also anything that you guys would like to pass on as a request or that kind of thing. And we'll finish up with ways for people to stay in touch with you guys or to reach out to you if they have questions or want any points of clarification. What are you guys going to do? What's your specific assignment or emphasis when you get to Arusha? Okay. We, we actually are part of Foursquare Missions International. Okay. That's the sending agency that we're under. Uh -huh. And they had a need in Tanzania where the national leader his name is Robert Katoto, was requesting for missionaries. So we ended up going over kind of on a little scouting trip. We felt the Lord say, yes, this was the place. Some of the things that they have a vision for is they really need training for their ministers. There are about 39 ministers licensed with Foursquare in the, the country. The country is one of the largest countries. It's like 57 million people. Mm -hmm. And about half of those, 53, do identify themselves as Christians, but 53%, you know, that means there's a whole other half of the nation that is also unreached with the gospel. Mm -hmm. There's a large Muslim contingency yeah. along the coastline. Mm -hmm. There's still animism, witchcraft in the villages. So they want to set up a training center. So that will be one of the things that we do. We're going to be establishing a national church office because they don't have one yet. The economy in Tanzania is pretty tough right now, so there are not a lot of finances there. So we'll be helping to raise the funds to do these projects. Mm -hmm. 
But also some of the other things is just simple discipleship of the believers. 53% say they're Christians, but their Christianity may not have gone real deep yet. Because one of the favorite things for people around the world to do is to go and evangelize Africa, right? So I think Mm -hmm. statistics show that if all the reports that have come in were true about salvations in Africa, the continent would have been saved, you know, several times over by now. (laughs) But the thing that's lacking is the discipleship. So Mm. now that we're there in country and not doing short-term trips, we'll be able to have a more organized plan where we'll be leading people in ministry, already in ministry, teaching them, training them, and then discipling believers, which leads to our next focus will be reaching unreached people groups. So those who have not heard the gospel or maybe have had just a very slight introduction to the gospel, there's still 30 people groups in Tanzania that are considered unreached with the gospel. And that represents about 5 million people. So that will also be one of our focuses. So we'll train New ministers will train and disciple church people and then go out to these unreached people group areas. We will do evangelistic encounters with them, but we also want to look at meeting some needs, maybe water projects, maybe drilling wells, solar power. So we want to meet some physical needs, but also we want to meet the spiritual needs as well. And then, of course, we would be believing that somebody within that group would have that heart to go and pastor these people because we don't want to leave them as a one-time encounter with Jesus. So with that, another big component of what we'll be doing is we're partnering with Foursquare Missions Press, and they actually have a solar-powered mobile printing press. And we're believing that we can be a recipient of one of those mobile printing presses so that we will be able to create resources in Swahili, in Maasai, in whatever language is needed where we do these outreaches, So we will be able to use that also as a business's missions kind of setup Mm -hmm. where we'll be able to help the Tanzanian church and training people how to run the press, training them business models, you know, how to make profit, how to price things, so forth, so that the national church can also have a source of income. So there's going to be several different things. They also desire that we would create a children's ministry, which is huge on our hearts. And many people may have heard of the 414 window where, you know, 70 to 80% of people who become Christians become Christians in that window between the ages of four and 14. So there's very little children's ministry focused for just the kids. So that'll be another area that we'll be doing. And then they would like us to establish a, a school, primary school, secondary school, Those aren't necessarily skills that Mike and I have, but we have a church that's full of educators. And then, of course, anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you've got a heart for missions and you're thinking, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher of the Bible, how can I be used in missions? There's a lot of different ways. So Mike's going to be using his engineering skills with a lot of the projects that we'll be doing. We'll need educators to help with the schools for the children. There's lots of ways that people can get involved with missions. So that's kind of the tip of the iceberg, but uh, we're just going to go in there and see what is needed and partner with the Tanzanian leadership that is already there. Yeah, the uh, interesting thing is that two-thirds of the population in Tanzania is 25 years old and less, and 44% of the population is between zero and 14. So there's a lot of youth, a lot of young people in Tanzania. Wow. That is, that's powerful, guys. Now, 
as far as prayer requests for ourselves, we're obviously making a lot of changes in our lives and getting ready to be retired, arranging our finances that we will have some. Uh-huh. And so we're really self-supporting from that perspective, but we do need to have fundraising to help mm-hmm. support for the ministry type activities. And sure. right now we're in the midst of doing our paperwork to get the appropriate permits to be able to come into the country, which is a pretty detailed process. You know, they have to justify you coming there. Even if you're not going to be working and getting a salary in the country, you still have right. to justify your, pre- justify your presence there and why you need to come. So there's sure. a lot they need to do on the people who we're going to be working with there. We had to have a letter of invitation. And so we're uh-huh. going through that process. So we'd like prayer for that process right now. And if anyone needs to get in touch with us, probably the easiest way is we have an email, which is Collins Africa at Comcast.net. Okay. So that's C O L L I N S Africa, A F R I C A, right? Collins Africa Correct. at Comcast.net. Correct. Okay. That's easy enough. Let me just say, too, that that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Training Center, Na- National Church Office, Discipleship, Unreached, Fort Square Solar Press, Children's Ministry. You know, that, that's a lot of stuff. So we've got a big target for prayers here, and we'll we'll use it for that. Along with the email address that you guys have, and we definitely got to get you back on. Plus, I've got to talk to you about the water when we go offline. I want to make sure and mention something to you about that. If some people want to follow your story, perhaps, before, after, or during the reaching out to you at your email address, is there a place where folks can keep up with the kind of the ongoing story of what's going on with you guys? A newsletter, maybe, or, or a page or of some kind online? Yes, absolutely. And when they contact us at that email, we will um, get them set up. We will be sending out newsletters. And we will also possibly have a blog. But right now, with missions across the world, things are getting a little bit dicey in certain countries. And they're really wanting us to be more secure about mm-hmm. information that we're sharing, just so you don't sure. injure people's lives on the field and so forth. But if yes. people contact us, then we will definitely set them up with a newsletter that will be sent directly to them. And then we'll give them opportunities as well to maybe join our prayer team. That would be awesome. We'll most likely use WhatsApp to communicate prayer needs in a timely way. You know, just be able right. to hit a big group in, in a short amount of time for special requests. So for sure, if you get a hold of us, we will we will get you hooked up with the team. And we would love to have you be part of the team. We will eventually receive teams from the U.S. and from other places around the world that can help with the work that's in Tanzania. So we hope to Mm -hmm. also make a lot of opportunities for people to come and experience the mission field that may not be called for a lifetime of missions on the field, but still want to be involved in a short-term trip that's going to be meaningful and impactful and powerful, not only for you, but also for the people who are receiving the ministry on the other end. Absolutely. That's very cool. I've got, we work in, as I've mentioned to you guys offline, we work in Kenya for now for about a decade. We work with the Kuria tribe. I think about 80% of their tribes in Tanzania and 20% of it is in Kenya. So I know they reach across there, the Kuria tribe, as does the Maasai and others, as you mentioned. But I'd love to get you guys introduced to our coworker, 
in Kenya of the Korea tribe. And then, of course, about the water thing we can talk about offline. Very, very cool. Well, appreciate very much you guys uh, joining us. Thank you for your time. I do want to follow up with you once you get on the ground. Let's see what we can do to be a mutual encouragement to each other. I'm excited to hear that at some point you'll be receiving teams. Is there anything else that either of you would like to mention before we segue here and uh, and we'll, we'll catch up with you online? I just want to make sure anything else that comes to mind we want to mention. Uh, not that I can think of right now. We just appreciate the opportunity to share our story and to tell what God's been doing with us and encourage anyone else who may be listening to what the Lord's asking them to do as well. Well, thank you guys for that, for sharing your story and for everything. You know, your obedience is an encouragement and everybody's made better off by the telling of that. So really appreciate it. Blessings to you. We will be praying for you. We'll include that email in the show notes and folks can reach out to you there. For those of you who are with us on the FX Missions from the Forefront podcast, I do want to encourage you personally to reach out to Mike and Stacy. What a what a blessing that their story is. I'm thankful to have a part in telling it. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at info at fxmissions.com. Tell somebody about this podcast. Give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for listening to the FX Missions from the Forefront Podcast. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions Podcast from the Forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their Forefront missions experience or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.